Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let us welcome our 18 guest, Brett Abraham, who is a partner at Weber Wenzel. Brett, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, today, uh, we are speaking about a term that I've, I've not heard, and I'm being very honest here. I've heard of biodiversity, but I've never heard of neurodiversity. So please explain to us where this concept of neurodiversity um, when it comes to disability rights uh, comes from. So really it is it is based on the concept of biodiversity and what neurodiversity advocates for is it says that society generally would benefit from recognizing and developing the strengths associated with certain neurodevelopmental disorders. So historically, a neurodevelopmental disorder such as ADHD or Tourette syndrome or dyslexia was identified, diagnosed, and treated in society based on the problems that it caused as opposed to the benefits that it could have. And what neurodiversity advocates for is to focus on the benefits of these neurodevelopmental conditions as opposed to the stigmas that are attached to them. Mm, very, very interesting. And, you know, when I'm thinking of um, uh, the d- disorders that you've just mentioned, right, like dyslexia, ADHD, uh, Tourette's and, and the likes, these are not visible to the eye um, and uh, sometimes uh, don't become apparent even when you grow up and come into the workplace until you have, you know, I don't know if... Uh, uh, is an attack at the correct word or when they start showing themselves. So the workplace sometimes does not have the room for, 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 for the display of any of these disorders because no one, I don't know if they have been, but in human resources and in the greater working team has an understanding of them. Yes. The other, one of the other interesting dynamics of this, uh, these types of conditions is they are spectrum related. In other words, Persons can experience the symptoms or the consequences of these diagnoses in to varying degrees. Uh, and in the workplace context, what that would mean is, is you may have certain individuals that suffer from or are, would be diagnosed with neurodevelopmental conditions, but who are otherwise, in the face of the workplace, high-performing individuals, and it simply goes unnoticed. Really where the focus uh, in South Africa is and will be going is in those circumstances in which individuals are perhaps not high performing and in which the consequences of their diagnosis or the lack of their diagnosis become apparent in certain behavioral behavioral issues that arise in the workplace or in certain performance related issues that arise in the workplace and those are those are the issues where employers will have to grapple with the consequences of these invisible conditions and how they manage them in the workplace. Now, can you tell us what the code of conduct, uh, the code of good practice on the employment of persons with disability is, and what are the terms within it? So, what that is, our Employment Equity Act, which amongst other things prohibits discrimination in the workplace and provides measures in terms of which employers must comply with affirmative action. Uh, and reporting requirements. It also has, in terms of that, a code that has been published, and that deals with the treatment of persons with disabilities. Now, the definition of disability under that code 
is broad enough to encompass, depending on the nature and the effect of the condition, neurodevelopmental conditions. So, for example, where a person suffers from a neurodevelopmental Brett, are you still there? Of that. We lost you a bit, Brett. Uh, please uh, just uh, go back on that, yes. uh, on that line. Sorry. So the definition of disability is such that if a person suffers from a neurodevelopmental condition that substantially impairs their advancement in the workplace, that will meet the definition of a disability under the code, and that will mean that that person is regarded as disabled and must be treated as such under South African Employment Equity Law. Mm. And uh, are people within HR aware of this and team leaders and management across South Africa? Because I can see a lot of violations coming up from uh, employers who don't know any better. So generally speaking, uh, HR practitioners and employers will be aware of their obligations under the Employment Equity Act. What makes neurodevelopmental conditions slightly different is many times the employee themselves haven't been diagnosed with the condition mm. or they're not prepared to disclose the condition or they are otherwise not prepared to deal with the condition simply because they are concerned that it may adversely impact their employment. So where HR practitioners may at this stage fall short is in identifying the issues behind the issues. In other words, what employers tend to do is they react to misconduct. An employee has behavioral issues and they address those by way of a disciplinary inquiry or an incapacity inquiry. What is and should be advocated for is a position where employers are proactive and they recognize and see at the outset that the, con the behavioral issues may stem from a neurodevelopmental condition in which event it's not strictly misconduct and must be treated differently to to that and and that's potentially where uh, hr practitioners fall short not intentionally so of course because you can only deal with what you are aware of true very very true and how do you get awareness out i mean um, a whole month of uh, disability rights awareness uh, but i don't see much happening on the ground especially uh, on the employment front so Neurodevelopmental conditions and the potential for a claim of dis disability discrimination is like any other discrimination. So employers generally, in compliance with their obligations under the Employment Equity Act, will be doing things to create awareness about, for example, racial discrimination or sexual harassment, which is a form of discrimination. What is and should become the focus for employers is over and above looking at those conditions, employers must also be advocating for awareness and training and dialogue in relation to neurodevelopmental conditions. Of course, employees may not be able or feel safe to come forward with these conditions unless and until they know what they are and how they will be treated by their employer. So it is really what employers need to be doing over and above complying with their legal obligations is as HR practitioners and good corporate citizens 
They should be advocating for awareness of these conditions, the consequences of the conditions, how they may be spotted in the workplace, and how employers will do everything in their power in order to accommodate those conditions, accepting that in instances of neurodiversity, where there is great weakness, there is also great strength. Let's go to a voice note from one of our A-team listeners. A-teamers, please join in on the conversation we are having with Brett Abraham around Disability Rights Awareness Month and uh, specifically looking at how we can embrace neurodiversity. Hi, Brett and the A-teamers. Uh, one question is, um, what happened in a, in a case where you divulge these um, unforeseen disabilities or conditions at your workplace and uh, you become maybe sort of a target or you are now treated otherwise. Is it is it advisable to disclose this uh, condition to your, to your employer? And what are the consequences then? You can go Sorry, ahead. Yeah. An employer is not and is never entitled to discriminate against an individual by virtue either of their medical condition in this instance or simply by virtue of the fact that they've disclosed that medical condition. So any steps that an employer takes that would adversely affect an employee's employment because they made the disclosure would expose that employer to risk. What an employer should do in compliance with their obligations when an employee discloses a neurodiverse condition is that employer must take steps to reasonably accommodate the individual and where the condition also meets the definition of a, definition of a disability, that accommodation is only not necessary if in accommodating the employee, the employer is exposed to unjustified hardship. So for example, in the instance of a large corporate, let's use without naming names, a bank, for example, a bank has the resources and the ability to reasonably accommodate an employee with a neurodiverse condition in far different and more elaborate ways than, for example, a small um, consultancy firm that operates out of a tiny office in an office park, simply because of the access to resources, the access to technology, and the access to information. So it's a high threshold for an employer to overcome. It's not simply that an employer can say to an employee, look, you've told us that you battle with uh, dyslexia. Um, we've looked at it, and we're not prepared to accommodate you because it doesn't suit us to accommodate you. The employer must show that, in fact, they're exposed to an unjustifiable hardship that will endure for a long period of time. And then if they can do that, well, then the employer is entitled to comply with the legal obligations to terminate an employee's employment fairly. But when they do that, and if they elect to do that, they've got to do so mindful of the fact that anything they do will be assessed or may be challenged on the basis that the employee says, not only did you terminate my employment unfairly, or not only did you not treat me fairly in the workplace, um, but you've actually discriminated against me because I have this medical condition. And whether it's a disability or not, your conduct in 
treating me unfairly has impaired my human dignity. Now, Brett, what are the trends globally when it comes to uh, embracing your diversity in the workplace? So what is happening increasingly um, globally is that employers have seen the ability to harness neurodiverse conditions in their recruitment processes because, as I mentioned earlier, spectrum-related disorders mean that people have certain inabilities to do things such as um, behavioral issues, but they also have, for every weakness, they have a strength. And, for example, uh, persons with certain neurodiverse conditions have the ability to process large amounts of information, to think logically and rationally in, in ways and in means that other persons without those conditions cannot do to the same extent. So what global organizations and large multinationals are doing is they're assessing their workplaces and they're looking at it and saying, where can we use individuals with these conditions to our benefit? In other words, instead of looking at the stigma of the, attached with the condition, we're going to employ people and harness the strengths that are associated with that condition. And that is happening increasingly globally. Of course, in South Africa, we have certain uh, additional considerations that mean that it's not always practical or possible for employers to, to go to that extent. In other words, to have active recruitment drives in respect of persons with neurodiverse conditions. But South African employers can't ignore the fact that under the Employment Equity Act, they have the obligation to make it easier or to eliminate barriers employment with persons of persons with uh, neurodiverse conditions so while it may not be necessary to follow the global trend and actively seek to recruit South African employers should be looking to eliminate any barriers to entry that may exist in the workplace that prevents applicants with neurodiverse conditions from gaining entry into the workplace has this been the case in South Africa though has this been the case uh, this has certainly been the case in relation to um, physical or more seen disabilities. Uh, the whole point of, of the reason why, why neurodiversity is becoming more topical in South Africa is to raise awareness so that uh, any stigmas attached with neurodiverse conditions are, are removed and employers put this on their radar as well. Of course, responsible South African employers have very many initiatives and imperatives that they need to advance on a daily basis in order to ensure the happiness and well-being of all employees. And increasingly in South Africa, given the impact of the, the pandemic and the fact that generationally people are not prepared to accept a situation where the status quo must simply be maintained, South African employers can't ignore this anymore. They are going to be challenged by their employees and they're going to be questioned by their employees and talent retention is going to be largely dependent on what employers are looking to do in relation to all aspects of wellness, and that includes mental health. Now, the other thing that you mentioned, Brent, is the fact that um, some other patients uh, have not yet been diagnosed and might start displaying some signs of uh, these neurological uh, disabilities. And in terms of them getting medical treatment and getting diagnosed, 
is a South African medical fraternity ready to assist them? Um, are there facilities readily available, especially in the public health care system, that will support them? So I, I will probably preface my answer by stating that I'm not a medical practitioner yeah. and I wouldn't want to speak ill of the profession. There certainly is the availability of, of uh, specialists that would be able to diagnose and treat these types of conditions. Uh, and responsible employers cannot tell employees or require of employees necessarily that they um, seek that treatment. But what is the obligation of the employers is to encourage employees to seek that treatment and to provide them with access to resources. In other words, information booklets and information sharing about where these resources can be made, obtained. And if it's not through private health care, well then assisting employees in accessing uh, workplace specialists that deal with these types of issues in order for people to get diagnosed or if they are diagnosed that they can receive the proper treatment because many of these conditions can be um, greatly assisted through the use of medication. For example, um, persons with attention deficit disorder or ADHD, that condition in certain circumstances is adequately and well controlled through the use of medication. Brett, uh, thank you so very much uh, for shedding light on this uh, neurodiversity beyond disability. Uh, your article was very, very intriguing. Uh, what are your uh, closing comments for the Greater South Africa during this Disability Rights Awareness Month? I think for, for South Africans generally is, and for employers especially, we can't uh, sit on our hands and deal with uh, these issues in the workplace on the basis that they're not going to affect us. It affects everyone, and employers must proactively now look to assess their workplace beyond simply physical disability and acknowledge that uh, their employees are and have struggled with conditions that are, are not as visible and are equally deserving of attention. Brett, how do we get in touch with you at Weber and Wenzel? My my contact details, I'm sure, are on the article that, that you have relied upon, and my details are on our website as well. Thank you so very much for joining us. Have a great evening further. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.